Blog Talk Radio.
Good morning, my friends. The opening music was by Save Vocal Group from the CD Native Angels by Save. This CD is really great and has many spiritual songs with Native American instruments and Gregorian chanting. And unlike anything you've ever heard, if you want to order your copy, contact Save.org. You can also reach them on Facebook as they do live shows. You can find out what their events are. And you can also listen to them for free on YouTube and also get their CDs and, and music on Amazon. As again, good morning. I'm your host, Reverend Sean McCain. I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created to provide an open-minded platform that focuses on the tenth and Sunday is a special set day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I just happen to be a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings are out of the Riley Study Bible that I use, and you may use any Bible you wish, of course. Um, Personally, I've had many spiritual experiences, and I'm writing a book that is almost done, Worth in Worship, and we talk about that once in a while. And in gratitude to God over all and my Heavenly Father, Jesus, uh, we just have ongoing Bible readings and discussion about spiritual experiences and uh, read different uh, passages out of other books, etc. Just focus on being real and carrying the message given to me. The calling number is 619-924-9744. Sacred Sunday airs every Sunday, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Let's do our opening prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We pray for all Christians that are being persecuted worldwide. Their freedom to worship and lives are in jeopardy daily. We pray for all those suffering from violence here and at home and abroad. We pray for those suffering from domestic violence in their own homes, addictions of all kinds, and we wish and pray for freedom from addiction. Please, God, send your mighty angel, Archangel Michael, to fight against evil and protect all the little ones and to protect us all. Heavenly Father, all your angels to watch over everyone. Our prayers also go out to all the little ones that suffer in the world, including the animals who can't speak for themselves. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers, so we may they may make decisions that are good on all our behalf. And we are praying for all the countries with many, many problems of all suffering from all over the world. Please help us, God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We do have several birthdays today, and let me see. Okay, hold on one moment, please. And I wish everybody a very happy and blessed birthday. And uh, Here you go. Happy birthday to Kathy Koch, Chris Verduzzo, Yaya Haya, Jojo Williams, Catherine Buford, and Dean Hall, and everybody else that's born on this blessed day. Have a wonderful day and have lots of fun and be blessed, and may your wishes come true on this beautiful birthday. And uh, let's see, if you have a birthday anniversary, you want us to celebrate with us or uh, celebrate a baptism, anything, just let me know, and uh, we'll announce it on the church service this morning. Anyway, I want to just wish everybody who has a special anniversary a uh, happy birthday to those just being born, and God bless everybody if you have lost someone. God bless you.
And uh, if you don't have a Bible this morning, uh, you can contact, uh, just go to the website, www.biblegateway.com or www.biblia.com. You can find uh, copies there and uh, you don't have to worry about having a Bible because if you don't have one, don't worry because they're there. And then let's see what else we have here. Let's talk about last week. Boy, there was so much stuff going on last week that uh, it's so interesting. We were reading Acts 19. And uh, what happened was, if you remember, that um, he went into Ephesus and they didn't know how to baptize people and they didn't know what the Holy Spirit was. And he was teaching them. And uh, Paul helps them understand about the Holy Spirit and uh, you baptize in the name of Jesus. He lays hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came, and they start to speak in tongues and prophesy. And then uh, he was preaching around synagogues around in Ephesus, and uh, this really made some people mad. So uh, he actually ended up staying and praying some more, and he actually stayed there two years and managed to convert many, many people. And even that, even though they were against them, it didn't matter. And then they had the weird circumstances of the random uh, Jewish exorcists who were trying to cast out evil spirits in Jesus' name, even though they weren't Christians. So the evil spirit was unimpressed, and it tells the men that it knows Jesus, it knows Paul, but who are you guys again? So it's very interesting. Uh, anyway, a man got possessed, and they chased everybody out, and Anyway, Paul saves the day, and um, he actually took another trip. So uh, he and ended up on a boat, and he sailed from Macedonia and uh, Jerusalem and on to Rome. And then Paul says uh, that Timothy and Erastus were ahead of him, and um, there was another crisis that broke out, and uh, they are talking about, remember, worshiping Artemis. And uh, they had all these temples and silversmiths and everybody that were worshiping these idols. So it just was a very interesting chapter uh, last week. And so this week we're going to go on to reading chapter, let's see, round 20. So I'm just going to go ahead and read it, and then we'll go back and read the notes, and I have other special readings for you. So grab your Bible. We're now on Acts chapter 20. After the uproar had ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and when he had exhorted them and had taken his leave of them, he left to go to Macedonia. When he had gone through the district and had given them much, much exhortation, he came to Greece. And there he spent three months, and when a plot was formed against him by the Jews, he was about to set sail for Syria. He decided to return through Macedonia. And he was accompanied by Sopater of Berea, the son of Pyrrhus and by Art, oh, I can't hardly say his name, Artis, and if I pronounce him wrong, I'm sorry. And then Secundus of Thessalonians, and Gaius of Derby, and Timothy, and Tychus, and Tophephus of Asia. These had gone on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. We sailed from Philippi after the days of the unleavened bread and came to them at Troas within five days, and there we stayed seven days. Asia Minor, Troas, and the elders of Ephesus. On the, the first day of the week, and when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day. He prolonged his message until midnight. 
There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. There was a young man named E-U-T-Y-C-H-U-S sitting on the windowsill, sinking into a deep sleep. And as Paul kept talking, he was overcome by sleep and fell down from the third floor and was picked up dead. But Paul went down and fell upon him, and after embracing him, he said, Do not be troubled, for his life is in him. And when he had gone back up and had broken the bread and eaten, he talked with them a long while until daybreak, and then left. They took away the boy alive and were greatly comforted. But we, going on ahead to the ship, set sail for ASSOS, intending from there to take Paul on board. For so he had arranged it, intending himself to go by land. And then he met us at Assos, and we took him on board and came to Mightyville. Uh, sailing from there, we arrived the following day opposite Chios, and the next day we crossed over to Samos, and the following day we came to Miletus. Anyway, he's very exact about the travels, and this just makes it so much more real for me when you're just saying where you were, where we were on the map, and they were actually keeping track of what cities they were hitting. Anyway, for Paul, I decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hurrying to be in Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you in the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, bound in spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me every, in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. But I do not consider my life on any, of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I did not shrink from declaring to you that the whole purpose of God, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. And now I commend you to God and that the word of his grace which will be able to build you up and give to you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and that the men who were here with me. In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember 
the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And they began to weep aloud and embrace Paul and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they were accompanying him to the ship. So next time... He's gonna go. He's gonna get on the ship again, but he won't be going back there. So let's read the notes for this chapter. Luke's brevity here. So Luke remembers is writing all this. Uh, so Luke twenty one through four. Luke's brevity here. A mere mention of the missionary team and a journey through Macedonia, revisiting established communities, suggests that Acts could have been much longer. Look. Okay. So. There is a lot. That's what, I was, that's what I was talking about before. There's so much detail here. This had to be from Luke. This is like his character. Okay. A plot. Probably to kill Paul on board the ship and throw his body overboard. So Paul returned overland to Macedonia. On the first day of the week, this became the regular day of worship for Christians, a remembrance of Christ's resurrection on Sunday. The meeting was held Sunday night because many had to work during the daytime. And then he's talking about to break bread means to observe the Lord's Supper. In 2016, if Paul had stopped in Ephesus, friends would have surely delayed him. He decided to take a boat that would not stop at Ephesus. And then 2017, elders. The leaders of the group were recognized by all since the church knew from whom to send. And then Paul was being led by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem, knowing that capture awaited him there. Those who later tried to dissuade him did so because they knew through the Spirit what was ahead for him. And then uh, what happened a few years later, and in 2028, with the blood of his own son. And then uh, 2032, are sanctified. Positionally, there's several aspects of sanctification. And then 2035, remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. These, this saying is not recorded in the Gospels. Okay, then then we're on to 21. So very interesting, as you can tell, the, the tone went solemn as they're traveling through. And uh, we're going to read uh, Acts 21 next time. And that, that really has blessed us. And let's go on to, you know, I read, uh, I have a couple books that I always keep on my desk at work. And I decided to bring them home so I could read them to you. And uh, one of them is called Letting God, Christian Meditations for Recovering Persons. And I wanted to read today's today's reading. And uh, let's see here. Okay, today is November 9th. I just love these little books. I've had them a long time. I think I've had this one since 1983. Yeah, that's what the bookmark says. But anyway, okay, November 9th. No longer do I call you servants, for the servants does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. That was Psalm 15:15. And this Aesop's fables, we hear that two men who are traveling through a forest, suddenly a huge bear crashed through the trees. One of the, of the men, thinking only for his own safety, climbed a tree. The other, unable to fight the fearsome bear alone, threw himself down to the ground and played dead. He had heard that a bear would not touch a dead body. It must have been true. The bear sniffed at the man's head and walked away. The man in the tree climbed down and said, It looked like that bear whispered something to your ear. What did he say? 
The other man said, the bear said, it's not wise to keep company with a fellow who would desert his friend in a moment of danger. Wow. Anyway, when we look back at our struggles with addiction, who are the ones who stuck with us? Who are the ones who are still with us now? Who can we trust? Who is walking with us? Our 12-step groups are devoted to friendship and equality. Every meeting is a safe, secure place to meet friends who won't run out on you. Recovery is for the companions who walk hand-in-hand together, not a do-it-yourself project or everyone for himself. We are together, us for all, one for all, and put back together again. We put each other back together again. Oh, Christ, you are my best and dearest friend. Keep me, keep me friendly and close to all your other friends. Amen. Isn't that the truth? Keep each other close to each other and all, our, all your other friends. And that's how we meet. And I was, you know, it helps us from being so lonely on this path we have chosen. Not everybody's going to like us or approve of us or like the way we do things or they think we're too religious, not religious enough. That's why I decided to just do Bible reading and just be myself. I can't please everybody. It's so frustrating, and it does get lonely, but you know what? We just have to help and pray for each other. Now, this is another book I read and read and read. It's called The Woman's Spirit, and it speaks to me every day. So I'm going to read today's meditation, November 9th. Because the thoughts come from the inside, not from the outside. What we think determines what we see. It's difficult to remember that we are in charge of our thoughts and thus what we experience. It is also exciting to contemplate all the changes we can make by focusing on positive thoughts. Perhaps we can try this together. Put this book aside for a moment and look closely at your surroundings. Think about how lucky you are to have a place to sit, a perfect moment to contemplate your life. Think grateful thoughts about your friends and family. Notice how you feel when you have pleasant thoughts running through your mind. Our lives are as fruitful, hopeful, and peaceful as we choose. The show that goes on in our minds is acted out in our experiences has been pro- produced and directed by us. And then the bottom meditation is, I am eager to experience my life today knowing that it will match my thoughts. It's exhilarating. So you know what? what? Contemplate on the positive. Now we've heard this over and over and over. Contemplate on the positive. And that's the kind of life you'll have. And for, quick to forgive. Be industrious. You know, just working, playing and just loving, and then you'll have that produced in your life because what you think is what you are. It's not everything else. What you eat is what you are and with this and that. What it is is that uh, what we think is how we tend to feel, and how we feel is how we act. So let's here, let's find, um, let's see. I'm going to go to my trusty book, The Guideposts, and... uh, I'm going to start with it. I don't know. I haven't read You know, I never read my stories ahead of time. So let's just read the story that came. It's called Return to Juarez. And this is by William Wilson, M.D., Durham, North Carolina. The guard slammed the bar door shut in Mexican jail I was visiting in that January day in 1980. He walked off, his footsteps echoing in the concrete corridor. I was locked inside a huge reeking room. I looked around. There were about 100 prisoners in the cell. Some of them were lying on a bare floor wrapped in filthy blankets. Some leaned against the wall. Others wandered about. A cold winter light filtered down from a few tiny grilled windows high up on the ceiling. I had come to this Jalen Juarez to assist a local lay preacher. The two of us stood inside the room and 
is penetrating odor of urine and sweat. Me and an American psychiatrist from Duke University and my companion, a Mexican ex-convict turned evangelist. As the preacher stopped towards the center of the room to address the men, I asked him what he would like me to do. Pray, he said. The ex-convict began to preach. I convinced I want only a few words of his colloquial Spanish, and my mind drifted to an amazing fact that I was here at all. I had been under a lot of stress back home in North Carolina, carrying two careers at the same time. One as a psychiatrist in private practice, another as a professor of psychiatry at Duke. I had taken time off that winter to stay at a retreat ranch friend a retreat ranch friends had told me about near El Paso, Texas. Visitors were invited to take part in the ranch's many outreach ministries. One was to this jail where I was told many prisoners were mentally ill. Perhaps in choosing to come along, I was subconsciously trying to work through some unpleasant memories of my days as a young doctor. I had taken the junior staff job at the state hospital in North Carolina where there was a ward of the criminally insane. In that ward, there had been the same angry faces I was seeing here at the Mexican jail, that same aimless roaming, even the same pungent smell of disinfectant. Some of the patients in that North Carolina ward were murderers. One man had killed a fellow inmate with his bare hands and was constantly trying to maim anyone he could, lunging out to bite, kick, or stop. We doctors never knew when one of the patients might turn on us, and we were glad there were guards nearby. But there were no guards nearby now. The mentally disturbed prisoners were easy to spot. Rousing themselves as we entered, they uttered gibberish, railed at the two of us, and made obscene gestures. There was no way of knowing which of these men might suddenly become violent. Many of the prisoners were moving towards us now, some groping themselves around the preacher, some around me. Some became aware of one man in particular, Hoover on my left, I turned. From two feet away, the man was glaring at me, eyes narrowed with rage. The fellow had dressed in a stained, torn shirt, his chin jutted forward. I was used to helping my patients cope with their fears, but now I was the one who was afraid. The man with the angry eyes thrust his face still closer. I edged along the wall, trying to put some distance between us. He followed. For 20 minutes, we moved together in a macabre dance, never more than a foot and a half apart, never closer. At last, quite abruptly, it wasn't until years later that this struck me as odd. The poor creature gave up his pursuit. With relief, I turned my attention once again to the preacher as he gave his altar call to the now quiet room. Some 30 men responded. Shortly afterward, the guard came to let us out. I flew back to North Carolina, assuming the whole experience was behind me. Fifteen years passed. Then last year in February, I decided to take another break from daily pressure and fly back down to a retreat rant in El Paso. Once again, perhaps out of some sense of unfinished business, I chose to take part in the mystery of the ranch by visiting the jail in Juarez. As we crossed into the Rio Grande to Mexico, I had the same old misgivings. Soon we were walking with the guard down the echoing corridor to the mammoth cell. Once again, the barred door slammed shut behind us. The guard's footsteps faded away, and we were locked inside the stinking, ill-lit room. The man with the rage of flame eyes were no longer there, but his place had been taken by a dozen others, equally restless and angry. The lay preacher, a different one, began to speak. I took my place behind him and closed my eyes in prayer. Then that I saw them. Through my closed eyes, I saw in front of us six magnificent male figures dressed in dazzling robes, whiter than any white I'd ever imagined. 
Each held a double-edged long sword pointed towards his feet. I noticed little details. The fact that the sword's hafts were not engraved. The figures were peaceable, yet there was an aura of overwhelming power with them. They simply stood there looking at the creature. For ten minutes, I'm willing to open my eyes and bring the vision to an end. I gazed at the mighty figures. I felt a sense of exultation and not a surprise, as if it were natural order of things that they should be there. At last, I opened my eyes. The shining figures were still there. I could see them as brilliantly with my eyes open as with my eyes closed. Had they, I wondered, suddenly been in this cell during my first visit too, watching and maintaining a safe space between me and the angry-eyed man as he followed me? Were they protecting both me and him from destructive emotions? Could they have been the reason he abruptly gave up and moved away? One thing for certain, I felt safe now 15 years later, knowing the angels were nearby. Bit by bit, the preacher reached the end of his sermon. Peace settled over the cell. In response to an altar call, a score or more of prisoners came forward. With the dazzling creatures looking on, the preacher and I prayed with each prisoner, and the service entered. Ended. A guard arrived and opened the door, and we left that beautiful holy room. On the airplane back from North Carolina, I thought about how many professional and personal uncertainties lie ahead as I grow older. I will face them with a different attitude now, knowing that angels are looking on, robed in white, swords with their hands to protect us from the enemies of doubt and fear. I had seen with my own eyes a heavenly resource that I had only heard about before that day in the Mexican jail. I don't expect to see angels again. It's enough to know they were quite near and watching over us in our weakness. Strong spirits sent by God. I'm so amazed at this, and this brings me to my own experience. One time I was having a very bad dream, and I remember, I don't know if you've had these, but I remember being frightened with an inch of my life in a dream. I was so frightened that I couldn't open my eyes, and I began to to pray the Holy Trinity, the most powerful thing I could think of. And God bless me and save me in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. God bless me in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. God bless me in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I was praying so deeply, deeply, deeply. Even though I was petrified, I kept praying and praying and praying. Pretty soon it was time to wake up. And there was my husband at the time. I'm still, I'm still married, but we've been estranged for six years. But anyway... God bless him. Anyway, he was standing at the doorway watching me. And I looked at him and I said, oh, hi, I just had the most worst dream and I was praying and praying. And he said, I know. He said, I just stood here. When I came in here, I think I heard, I think you heard you cry out. And then came in to wake you up. He said, when I walked to the door, though, standing there with an angel standing over you, so high, his shoulders and head was through the ceiling but I could see his big white wings and he was watching over you, protecting you while you were sleeping. I feel so blessed by this and I know the angels, even though we are afraid and terrified, that's when they're with us. They're standing there helping us, hoping for us and praying for us. Aren't we lucky? The angelic beings care, God cares. So never forget that we're never alone. that's That's the one thing and I think gets most of the sound as human beings, why people kill themselves, why they turn to drugs and alcohol. I feel like they feel, you know, we feel like we're alone, that nobody's there. But the unseen is there all the time. 
Our Heavenly Father has left us angels, holy creatures, spirits, positive, loving, watching over us, our guardian angels. So we're never alone. And never, never, never give up. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank everybody for being with me this morning. You know, you're just so awesome. I know that you're, you're listening, and I just want to tell you, God bless you in every way. And may all your dreams come true. And let's say the, the our traditional little prayer that we say before we end. After a moment of silent meditation for those of us who are still suffering, those outside who are still suffering. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. In closing, God bless and keep you in his loving arms that you may have the very best strength to to go ahead and face whatever's ahead for you. Remember, you're never alone. I love you. God loves you. And may your best dreams come true. And true love live in your heart. Remember, you can always message me. Reach me on Facebook, Sean McCain. Charlene Simpson McCain, and you come right directly to my page. And I just want to let you know that you're so special. You're just very special, and you're never alone. God bless and keep you. Amen. Bye-bye.